Hello. I am already <laughs> slightly drunk. Oh, wow. You're ahead. Anyways, welcome everyone to Bottomless Broadway, where we talk about this season's Tony-eligible musicals. And today, we're going to talk about two musicals that we already know 100% have no chance of winning Best Musical, but it's fine. Pretty Woman and Be More Chill. Okay, shall we do five words for Pretty Woman? Do you have five? Well, I... I hope she's being paid. (laughs) (laughs) All right, let's move on. (laughs) Okay, here's the summary. Pretty Woman in a musical, unlike a certain other movie turned musical we just talked about, follows the movie exactly. It's like almost a reward for Broadway fans that are also fans of the movie. Vivian's a hooker, if you don't know. If you don't know, you need a life. Um, Vivian's a hooker with a heart of gold who just wants to go to school. So she fucks an older businessman, Edward, and he offers to pay her $3,000 to play his partner for dinner parties and whatever while he's in LA for the week. She agrees. They fall in love. There's some lover quarrels. She feels disrespected because once he treated her slightly like a hooker. Um, It's your modern day fairy tale if Prince Charming was a corporate writer. The end. I think it was supposed to be based on Pygmalion, like the same thing that My Fair Lady was based on. Are they that similar? Well, I mean, it's like, you know, old rich guy, like, plucks up random girl from the streets. There's also that kind of scene at the end where she's sort of, like, lost. She's like, wait, I'm a different person now. What what do I do? Like, I can't go back to quote a song. They do also both have the horse song, because what would a movie about rich people be without a scene that has horses yeah it sounds about right that's how you know they're rich there's horses involved do you think this was a movie that should have been turned into a musical it's a pretty basic rom-com and i think a big part of why it's so popular is because julia roberts and richard Gere have like really really good chemistry in the movie there was not a lot of reason because you could have recreated a ton of similar plot lines Right. Um, And it wouldn't be any different if you can't recreate the lead actors. Yeah. It worked out. It was (laughs) like a solidly fun show. Yeah. I mean, we also watched like the fifth preview. So super early on. I don't know how much they changed. Um, Monday after it opened. Right. Yeah. It doesn't look like the track list changed, though. How did Pretty Woman do in Chicago? Everyone was kind of like meh about it. I mean... I think Samantha Barks has always just gotten the best reviews for the show. See it if you like the movie. If you don't, then don't go. Um, yeah, or if you're a big Samantha Barks fan. Yeah, she has some great She's numbers. super nice, super hot. She does has really well. a super cute dog. she has a dog. Exactly. And she comes out and talks to you with her dog at stage door. Her dog just chills backstage in her dressing room during the show. I have a friend that has a crazy crush on her shout out to Chris if you're listening but he was like I am better than her boyfriend I'm cuter than her boyfriend if she ever breaks up with her boyfriend find Chris (laughs) find me I will direct you to Chris Samantha um let's talk about songs yeah welcome to Hollywood I forgot how good that was until I started listening to it again and I was like just from the very beginning you're like this is a great opening number 
And the sad thing is, like, there's really no equivalent scene in the movie. So they were just like, this is a great song. We should put it in. Yeah. How does the movie open? I don't know. It. I'm pretty sure it just, like, opens on, like, a tenement building, like, pans up the fire escape. And mm-hmm. then you see Julia Roberts, like, freaking out while her landlord's knocking. Oh, yeah. So, like, kind of the same thing, just minus the actual Welcome to Hollywood stuff. Because she does do that yep. in that song. It's also a nice introduction to, like the vibe of the show i guess well sure like with the choreography and sort of the ensemble is basically all there and kind of just doing stuff like well he serves as like a super efficient narrator as well when he's introducing Mm -hmm. edward lewis yeah um because what's that line the his childhood dreams all shattered now money's all that matters he just like talks about everything it's like really quirky really clever Really efficient. Yeah. Wait, so was this guy in the movie? He's like listed in the program as Happy Man? No, he's definitely not in the movie. Okay. Because I feel like they were going somewhere with him because he's like, oh yeah, like I'm your guide and welcome to Hollywood. This is. The place people go when they want to achieve their dreams. Like, what's your dream? And it felt like they were well, going somewhere, but then they like kind of just dropped that. They did that with Kit DeLuca too, right? Like, she has a ton of songs. She literally has like two minutes of screen time in the movie. Right. I feel like they were just there to like break up the singing, so it wasn't just Samantha Barks <laughs> and Andy Carl every single song. Yeah. They're like, we need some other people. Um, and I think that's really the only reason. Also, like, when you have Orpha, you can't have her not sing. But to be honest, her songs are not great. Like, I was kind of bored in her songs. I mean, I still think it's because she and um, Vivian stay in the same range too much. Yeah. Which is stupid. Because Orpha and Samantha Barks have very wide and very different ranges. Right. And then, so Welcome to Hollywood, great opening number. Um and then we hear Vivian sing for the first time in Anywhere But Here. I also really like that one. It's like a introduction to a three to four part solo that she carries throughout the musical because Anywhere But Here, I Can't Go Back, This Is My Life, Anywhere But Here Reprise, similar shit. Yeah. It's just like her ballad-y kind of... I mean, I Can't Go Back is not really a ballad anymore. Anywhere But Here transitions into like power ballad a little yeah. too though it's a great first song for her <laughs> like yeah i mean like we're excited because we're all there to see her sing yeah the opening numbers like rocks the show and we're like all right samantha barks vivian let's go and it's fine <laughs> yeah and then we get to um andy carl who is a great actor and a great singer but from what we saw was not great in this show it's not his range. Yeah. Um, the songs, because you mentioned that he's the Groundhog Day guy, mm-hmm. so he probably does a lot of rock. And um, he just can't hit the notes. Yeah. I feel not like, that he like doesn't hit them, but he's very shaky. He has a much like thinner voice on those notes, I guess. It's not that like full bodied voice that he normally gets on his like normal range. And he has a very unstable falsetto. Yeah. And, I mean, he didn't do it in Chicago because originally it was Steve Kazee that was supposed to play the part of Edward Lewis. 
but he left after Chicago because he had some family issues. And then um, I don't remember how they brought in Andy Carl, but also he's married to Orfe. So I don't know if she was just like, hey, I got a husband that can sing. Like we could put him in. And also he looks like Richard Gere. So <laughs> he does. In his defense, that's probably why he got casted. He has some serious, like clear water, Richard Gere eye and a Richard Gere smile. And Orfe must really got it going on (laughs) (laughs) because he is so hot (laughs) yeah I think that in the recording though he does kind of settle into the parts more or maybe he just got more takes um but I mean because we did also see it early on so like maybe he got better yeah because he probably didn't have as much rehearsal and stuff like that as the rest of the cast has had so I do wonder because music and lyrics are by Brian Adams and Jim Balance, who um, they're like a rock band. But I wonder if it would have been different if Andy Carl was cast to begin with. Like, I mean, I'm assuming so. They probably would have written more towards his voice type. But I wonder what they would have done. Luckiest girl in the world. Are we going to do this track by track? What's happening? I don't know. Like, okay. Well, so here's the thing in general that I want to say about the music is I don't think Brian Adams knows how to write for musical theater and which like makes sense because he's not a musical theater guy and I don't think his work before has been super theatrical like Cindy Lauper was a good pick for musical theater because like just the way she writes it does tell like more of a story she's like I think been around the theater world longer but most of Brian Adams songs are pretty first of all they all kind of sound the same um in this show or like they are, there's like three types of songs and most of the songs will fall into one of those three types. But also one of the things that really bothered me was when people are singing, you don't know if they're singing to someone or like singing monologues. And he mm-hmm. kind of drifts in and out mm. of that. Like you and I is, what is Edward singing to? Like, it seems like he's just singing to himself, like thinking like, oh man, like this girl, she's changed me, whatever. But then later they start harmonizing together, and I'm like, okay. Before we move on to Act 2, though, um, on the flip side of that, You're Beautiful is probably the most musically and well-staged number. Yeah, I really like that number. is accurately and rightfully placed as the song before intermission. Yeah, that number is really good. I also think it is one of Edward's better numbers, because Freedom is just kind of terrible and really forgettable you know the star of you're beautiful is really mr hollister (laughs) for movie fans this is the one where um vivian doesn't want to go shopping anymore because last time she went the sales associates looked down on her because she looked like a hooker so edward's like i'll take you and then they go back to her drive they buy a load of crap um he tells the sales associates and the store manager to suck up to her and the dialogue is hilarious edward's like do you have anything in your store as beautiful as my girl and he's like oh yeah and he's like i mean no we have stuff as beautiful as she wants it <laughs> and they just like have this whole thing going on and edward's like i'm gonna spend like really really offensive amounts of money at your store if you play your cards right the way she walks the way she smiles And then we get that really, um, like, classic scene from the movie where Vivian walks back into the store that rejected her the previous day and tells off the sales associate. But why is it so well staged? Go. 
because it actually tells a story. Um, and it moves. Yeah. Because all his other songs, and by his I'm talking again about Brian Adams, is just like a Park and Bark song. Like, mm-hmm. they just stand there, and they sing their feelings, and then they move on. And, like, it's not yeah. super well integrated. And, like, Rodeo Drive is just like, we need a song during scene changes, so let's just have Kit, like, belt some shit. That was, like, the thing. Like, going from Luckiest Girl in the World to Rodeo Drive, there was such an unclear break in terms of what was happening, who was singing. But yeah, and also because You're Beautiful did have different ranges. Like, it was Edward singing in, like, a pretty comfortable range for him. And then in the end, like, Samantha Barks comes out, like, with her outfit change and all her bags, and she just, like, sings on top of everyone else. And, like, I love that part. That's amazing. And it's just, like, that's more of what, like, classical musical theater storytelling is. Yeah. Did this not win any? Did this not get nominated for anything? No. Did it not get costumes? Nope. Nothing? Nothing. Oh, man. I thought maybe costumes. For people who haven't seen the show yet, um, also, they recreate all the costumes really well, like um, the polo dress and then the red dress and the hooker rompery thing. Mm-hmm. Um, are done like exactly as it was in the movie because Samantha works is gorgeous and can pull off everything. Her waist is tiny. She has like no waist. Yep. Act two. Um. So act two opens with that horse party thing that we mentioned. Yeah. Which I actually think it's a pretty catchy song. It's called "Welcome to Our World." Yeah, and it's it's also staged okay because they fit some like fitting dialogue into it Mm -hmm. it does feel very much like a modern take on ascot gavotte though especially the way it's staged like very similarly to the way that the revival my fair lady is staged but like less poised i guess yeah and there's kind of this like little dialogue area where they're trying to like show the difference between vivian and the gold diggers because you know she's broken a hooker but not a gold digger right and she's like, oh, I'm just using Edward for sex. And that was the moment when I thought, Samantha Barks can't play with her. <laughs> but it's fine. But, yeah. And then... This Is My Life is her next which, solo. Her next big solo. I didn't like that one as much. I, I like almost all the Vivian songs, but this one is, like, not great, I think. It starts off like an unfunny version of the history of wrong guys. That's true, actually. Never thought of it that way. She's like, my first boyfriend suck, my second boyfriend suck, my third boyfriend suck. I think also, um, because this one, it's obvious she is talking to Edward, like, through song. She's telling him about her life. But I think the other issue I have with this show is that even when they are singing to each other, they don't really interact. A lot of the times when someone's singing to someone else, like, that someone else is still, like, doing stuff or, like, still interacting and reacting to what they're saying so it's very much divided up into like song scene song scene um yeah and then speaking of dividing things up then we get kit again which is the most (laughs) random plot line ever like they're just like man we need kit she wants to be a cop yeah (laughs) (laughs) kit had no characterization in the movie and then now she wants to be a cop so she has, like, one uh, characterization. Yeah. The opera is an opera. Yeah. They go to the opera. She has the dress, the red dress from the movie. Then they're, like, sitting in the box. This is actually pretty nicely set. They're, like, sitting in this box, and then the opera, like, 
happens on the stage so we can see it too basically it's it's just exactly like anastasia yeah that's true (laughs) but okay so here's the thing so edward sings like you and i and he's like talking about you and i like who would have guessed or something like that and then we get an interlude from like the actual opera um and that's sung by alison blackwell And it was really funny reading reviews because almost every review called her out for like being amazing. Like they were like, oh, and Alison Blackwell did an incredible job as this like soprano in the opera. And like the other songs should also evoke that same sort of like, oh my God, that's such like, that's amazing. Which like Samantha Barks tries her hardest, like for sure. But just none of the other songs are super stand out they all kind of just blend together and you're just kind of in this like yeah it's not bad but it's repetitive and inconsequential yeah is the whole cast recording basically and there's your five words not bad repetitive <laughs> and consequential exactly Woo! I finally yeah. did it all right um i can't go back her final power ballad yeah. it's i guess the closest thing to the 11 o'clock number that this has it's kind of randomly slotted. Okay, so I don't know how well it fits with what's happening in the scene uh-huh. before and after. Well, so, okay, that's, I did want to talk about that, and maybe the movie did this better, but Edward, like, offers her a deal or something where he's like, hey, I'll, like, pay for you to live in this penthouse, like, I just can't marry you or, like, whatever, like, have you be my public girlfriend. And she's like, nah, like, I can't do that, like, I'm not some, like, princess just letting prince charming like take care of me and so then she like walks out like she gets her money that he owes her and she leaves and she's still dressed in super nice clothes like by the pool or something and that's where kit finds her and she's like telling kit like oh like i can't go back to living the way i was before and i'm like okay girl you gotta figure your shit out because like you just walked away from the super rich guy but you can't go back to being super poor like I don't know what you're trying to do here. Exactly. I need to correct you, though, because this really matters when we get to the finale. She does want to be swept off her feet by Prince Charming. And she makes a Rapunzel reference where she says, I used to be a really troublesome kid and my parents would lock me in the attic. And I would dream that I was a princess locked in a tower. And I was like, someday a Prince Charming is going to come save me. But in none of those dreams... Did the Prince Charming also leave 300 bucks in my nightstand? <laughs> He's like, I'll, you can have my credit cards, buy whatever the fuck you want. I'll put you up in an apartment in Manhattan, which I really need. <laughs> <laughs> um, I need an apartment, but I can't marry you. And she's just like, no, I need a real prince that's going to make me a princess. Yeah, but then she also doesn't want to be poor again. I don't know what I can't go back means because like up until this point he was paying her. So like, it's not like she ever left the situation where he was paying her. So like, what can't she go back right. to? So, I mean, I thought that when she was singing, I can't go back. I thought she was talking about like, I can't go back to my like poor life being a normal street hooker. But then I guess you could also spin it to be like, I can't go back to 
Edward too. But I'm like, so what is your plan? Yeah, it's a good standalone song. Yeah, she sings the hell It'd out of that song. a great pop song. I think um, as a single, it probably did really well because you really don't need the musical at all to understand or relate well, okay. to it. So the reason why I thought that she didn't want The Prince was because the first few lyrics are just, you make me happy, you know just what to say, but I ain't Cinderella who'd want to be anyway. No, no, no. So what she's saying there is, so I don't know why she says who'd want to be anyway, but I think what she's really saying is like, I can't be kidding myself. I'm not Cinderella. Mm-hmm. I don't get this. She talks about the fairy tales a lot. And that's why, um, you know, when he climbs up her fire escape and he's like, what happens after the prince saves you? And she's like, I saved him right back. Whatever. That thing. She likes fairy tales. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I think this is just poor writing in general. Um, also... They probably wrote a song. They're like, this is too good to cut, (laughs) but we're just going to shove it in, even though it doesn't fit. That honestly would explain a lot of this musical. Um, But also, Mm -hmm. like, more from I Can't Go Back, the second stanza, or the second verse is like, but now you got me thinking about working on a dream. I'm not quite there yet. I'm somewhere in between. Which is kind of like bringing us back to this whole like happy man, welcome to Hollywood, what's your dream deal. But she doesn't ever tell us like what she wants. Like her I want song is anywhere so, but here. And her I want is just to be anywhere but here. Which is not a real dream. Yeah. So in the movie, she wants to go to college in San Francisco. Okay. Let's talk about um a bench course. <laughs> Okay, so we get a super shitty reprise of Freedom, and then we get Long Way Home, which also I completely forgot existed. Um, I don't even understand yeah. the point of that. And then we get Edward coming back to her shitty apartment. Um, there's a bench outside. I think he has an umbrella. Yes, he does. Or some- He uses it as like a whip or a lasso or something. Yeah. He really takes the Prince Charming shit to heart, literally. There's, like, a bench, and it's one of those benches, like, with an ad on it. And the ad is, like, some horse or something. It's, like, it has a back. Yeah. And then it, like, lights up and everything. It's actually the most extra thing. He rides it. Somehow doesn't hurt his testicles. <laughs> she looks out her window. She's like, this guy is a dumbass. Yeah. And I'm dumping him forever. Just kidding. <laughs> Of course not. Anyway. <laughs> yeah, and so the finale song is Together Forever, which is the most trite, like, high school musical song. It's literally like, together forever. And then they transitioned into Welcome to Hollywood again, and they should have just ended with that, like, cut, cut the yeah. Together Forever part. Yeah, or they could have ended with, like, a you and I reprise. I don't know. Yeah, a you and I reprise where they're, like, actually singing <laughs> to each other. I mean, I think it was still a fun show. It's doing pretty well at the box office, probably because everyone just wants to relive the movie. But it's not... You'll forget about it, probably. Genuinely, genuinely, if this opened April 25th and Beetlejuice opened last summer, Pretty Woman would probably get a Best Musical nomination. Hmm. I don't think as a movie-adapted musical, it's worse. Okay. People just forgot about mm-hmm. it. I think it's better than the share show. It's definitely better than King Kong. Yeah. Getting the band- <laughs> No one remembers that. that no noise. one remembers that. 
I mean, so we've talked about how, like, the writing is not great. Um, And I think it's just, like, the whole team did not know how to make a musical because Brian Adams, it's, like, his first musical. The people that wrote the book were the original screenwriter. Oh. What's their name? Okay. Hold on. So that's why it's basically the same thing. J.F. Lawton. He wrote the screenplay for the movie. And he co-wrote it with Gary Marshall, who directed the movie. It was actually really sad because Gary Marshall died before it opened. But they were like, oh, he like loved this movie and like loved the idea of this musical. We're going to keep going. Um, and so he died in 2016. Yeah. So he never saw like it on mm. a stage. So but yeah, they kept it going. They like dedicated a seat in the Nederlander Theater to him, I think. Like opening night, um, Julia Roberts went and met all the cast, and they wow. they did some good press. But then it was also like in the fall, though. I really think that, in comparison to how well Tootsie was updated mm-hmm. for this decade, Pretty Woman was not. What <laughs> would you have updated? I mean, first of all, they could have just characterized Vivian a lot better and given her a backstory that wasn't completely based off her being screwed up by ex-boyfriend. That's true. They just still tried to milk this, like, oh, he gave her money, but she gave him love. Like, no, that's not a real thing, okay? You know how I know that's not a real thing? Because I took AP <laughs> Psych, and I remember Maslow's hierarchy of needs, and you know what comes before love? Money. <laughs> money, shelter, food, comfort. Bullshit. Oh my god. Um, You know the trope of like the manic pixie dream girl? That's like what she is, basically. She's like... But no one would have liked Vivian at all in this musical if it wasn't played by Samantha Barks or someone equally awesome. In the movie, because they had such great chemistry, Julie Roberts and Richard Gere, it just really felt like that she was thirsty AF (laughs) for him. So it kind of worked out. I remember at intermission because we saw this with my other friend too. And she was just like, is it just me or she just like out singing the guy? It's very much an even Obozada and Reed Carney situation. She just has a better voice. (laughs) I just think that this isn't um, a common case. But for her, the fact that this is a bad musical is not going to hurt. Yeah. because she's killing it. All the reviews and like basically singled her out for praise. They're like, yeah, she like. Of course, she sings seventy <laughs> percent. She sings like incredibly. So there's that. All right, I need more wine <laughs> and then be more chill. All right, one second. <laughs>